Welcome to the Monday Morning Message, a podcast of Grace Community Church. My name is Jared Cooper, and on the Monday Morning Message, we seek to consider and discuss some of the biblical implications and life issues that come out of our study of God's Word. And this morning, as always, I'm grateful to be joined by our pastor, uh, Paul Shirley. Good to be with you, Jared. How are you doing this morning, brother? I'm looking forward to digging into some scripture with you. All right, man. So I want to talk about the family, and I want to back it up all the way to uh, Genesis, if you will. You've been in Genesis in the evening. I know you're about to get back in it a little bit, and it's been a while. I think March was the last time you taught through yep. Genesis. So yep. looking forward to getting back into that, and I want to look at the family from a foundational level. What did God intend for the family, and kind of hash out some of the things, uh, even from a foundational perspective. So um, as believers, as we look to God's Word, what was God's intention for the family? Well, there's a lot that could be said there, of course, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. You have the creation of man and woman, and of course, um, in the process of working the garden and naming the animals, one of the things that God made clear to Adam is that there was nothing else in creation that was a fit helper, a fit companion for him as he worked the garden, and that's why woman was created, and that's that's really why woman was created in that way, even as a revelation from God of this need for man and woman, which was the first family. And so in that respect, Genesis chapter 2 is foundational for the family, but it also teaches us that the family is foundational for the created order. And you see this throughout history and society, that where the family has flourished uh, societies have flourished, and where families have failed, uh, societies have failed. And that's one of the things that you see Satan attacking in cultures throughout history uh, in order to move people away from uh, godliness and in order to bring about more suffering and fallenness. Satan often attacks families. Uh, so from the very beginning, God intended for families to be a foundational part of mankind's responsibility uh, to, to keep and maintain creation. And I think a big part of that, Jared, not the entirety of it, but a big part of that is that the family is intended by God to be a restraining grace. Uh, so in other words, the Lord uses the family in order to prevent mankind from being as sinful as we could potentially be. Uh, we're all totally depraved. We're, we're born in sin, of course. But one of the restraints that the Lord puts upon us is the family life and the responsibilities of being a family. That, that hymns us in, in in certain ways. Even unbelieving families, that's a restraining grace, uh, the responsibilities of family life that, that keeps people away from more sin. A lot could be said about how families are used in the formation of society. A lot could be said about how for, uh, families are used in the formation of children, especially. But I think at the very foundation of what God intends for in family life, it, it is a restraining grace. And you had mentioned, you know, the satanic attacks, the, the world system attacking and eroding the family. As you look around the world that we live in today, what do you think some of the tactics that Satan is using to do that? And, and what do you think some of the biggest dangers uh, facing the family are right now? 
Well, I think one of the biggest dangers to jump on that first that Christian families can have is to think that Satan is only using one tactic. So there's a temptation with um, Christian families to look and see what's going on from a cultural perspective with homosexuality uh, and marriage from that perspective and say, hey, Satan's behind that. And that's Satan's uh, tactic in order to undermine the family. And I think there's that's true. But I would just add that's not Satan's only strategy. Uh, Satan certainly uses distortion to accomplish his purposes. But I would also add and encourage Christian families to consider that Satan also uses distraction. Satan loves to distract believers from the Great Commission, from the truth of Scripture, from their duties before the Lord with all kind of worldly enticements. So I would say that just as dangerous to a Christian family as what's going on in the culture is uh, at times travel sports or devotion to work or anything that would distract a family from the truth of God's word and service to God's people in the church. Uh, there, there is just a tendency to look at what's happening in our culture and kind of view Satan's strategies through the lens of the culture war that we see going on in our midst. And I would just say Satan's involved in both sides of the culture war. And we as believers uh, must be loyal to the truth and, and be careful of, of Satan's ploys and attacks on all sides. Satan is at work on both sides of this thing uh, as a contingency plan. <laughs> right. We get tunnel vision. Satan's not working in a, in a tunnel vision perspective. It's much broader than that. Right. As if Satan would only attack us head on where we could see him coming, he would never try to outflank us from behind and, and fool us and distract us from the, the real battle that's going on in our own home. So it's super easy to look at the culture wars, take a side in that, uh, read a couple articles online, uh, listen to Al Mohler's podcast and say, hey, look, I know what Satan's doing, but then neglect the means of grace in your own family life, neglect shepherding your children, neglect uh, d developing deeper uh, uh, relationships with your spouse around the truth and shared convictions. You know, it'd be easy to just look and say, hey, I'm against this and I vote for people who are against this, so I'm fighting Satan, but then not really guarding your family life from all of Satan's attacks. What about specific, because, you know, I think you and I sometimes we think, we, we do think about this in, in terms of our wives, but we think also as of our, of our children. And I want to get into that a little bit, but how do you think the distractions attack us in, within our marriage? Because I think, I think that's, the, that's the kind of the groundwork we need to protect. We need to protect against any kind of distractions, any kind of outward influence over our marriage, and I think I think the world has a, a, a great way of distracting us. What do you think some of the specific temptations, husband and wife first? So I think the biggest temptation in terms of the relationship between a husband and wife is a superficial way of dealing with issues, uh, especially when it comes to sin and relational issues and disagreements in the marriage. Uh, just kind of dealing with that in a superficial way uh, oftentimes not intentionally, but just out of distraction. Uh, there's just so much going on. You got to get the kids the next thing. You got to get them ready for school. You got people from church coming over. You know, you got this going on, this going on, work's busy. Uh, this family thing's going on. There are all these other decisions that have to be made. 
And when issues do arise, you just kind of, yeah, I'm sorry, okay, and move on without dealing with it with any kind of depth or uh, without any kind of biblical clarity. So glossing over sins in our marriage. Yeah, and that's one of the primary dangers that that Christian couples need to look out for because what happens is it leads to uh, bitterness. And bitterness always leads to to hard hearts and and cold relationships. So what happens is that you, there is a distance that that begins to grow between you and your spouse over not any necessarily big issues, but over a hundred little issues that were not dealt with biblically and thoroughly. And so now some bitterness creeps in, hardness of heart creeps in, coldness and the relationship creeps in. And then inevitably what happens is you got to deal with a real issue. You got to deal with some real big issue. And it's very hard to do that with somebody that you've got these low levels of bitterness towards that haven't been dealt with. How should we then be dealing with issues in our marriages? How how should we be, you know, dealing with sin? How should we be talking with our spouses? Is there, you know, is there something that we should have set in order. Hey, let's let's do this. You know, every night. Let's you know, let's talk about this this afternoon. You know, what what kind of things should we be looking for practically, even with dealing with sin in our marriages? Yeah, I don't know. That's something that you can schedule out just because life changes so drastically and so quickly. I mean, even we were just talking about trying to schedule when we we're going to record podcasts, but our schedules change. What are you talking from... about? We do it every Monday morning. What do you mean? <laughs> right. right, this is a live feed. We just we just redo it over again whenever anybody's listening. Um, <laughs> You know, life changes so much that it's difficult to schedule this kind of thing out. I think it's just a shared commitment between um, between husband and wife to be open with one another, to not be insecure, um, to be willing to point out things, to be willing to be wrong and talk through things. And when issues are brought up, a shared commitment to, to see it all the way through, to not just bring it up and then, okay, everybody feels a little bit better because it's been been brought up. And then never actually deal with it and, and finish off the conversation and just kind of keep moving on with life. Um, I think it's it's mainly just that shared commitment to say, hey, I, if there's something in my life I need to deal with, I want to do that completely and, and make sure that that's resolved before we just keep moving on to the next thing. You know, sometimes for that to happen, I mean, life just keeps coming at you, of course. And so sometimes for that to happen, you just... You just have to be humble enough to to work through issues um, sometimes uh, thoroughly, but sometimes promptly. You know, sometimes you don't have time to to kind of think about what's the perfect answer to this going to be. You don't have three months to think through an issue. You just have to deal with it honestly, openly, get feedback, and then deal with what's right in front of you uh, in in such a way that that is biblical, honoring to the Lord, and helpful to your marriage. Yeah, and that's probably the hardest thing is because we have to actually admit that there was sin on either side, whether you have to shepherd through it and say, look, I think this is a sin issue, or whether it just wasn't sin and you really don't have any grounds to be upset. You don't really have any grounds to, to really uh, hold anything against your spouse. That's the that's the really where we live is just trying to figure out from a heart issue, did I sin? Am I needing to confess sin? Is this not sin, and I need to deal with it in my own heart? I need to be able to cover it in love. I mean, all these things are, are very difficult as as husbands. At least I can speak for myself. Yeah, you just you want to battle as um, a Christian couple. You want to battle to make sure that your conversations aren't superficial, uh, and that you are getting into the depths 
of your own heart and the depths of the relationship, the depths of Scripture, and and really thinking through all of the dynamics of family life together as best you can. So uh, obviously there's not going to be, a, if, if, if you're faithful in serving the Lord and faithful in serving your kids and faithful in fulfilling your responsibilities, is not endless amounts of time to just have all these conversations. So you want to try to make sure that when you are able to communicate that there is a, a depth that comes with that communication. So to get back to kind of the distractions of the world, what is the world telling us about our marriage that we're sometimes easy to believe, uh, things that creep in that, you know, we just, maybe we wouldn't believe things that the world would tell us just on face value, but things that you're talking about that are just kind of creeping in that are affecting us. Well, I think one of the things that the world, of course, would distort about marriage is that marriage is about your fulfillment and satisfaction. Um, that that's ultimately not what marriage is. That's not the primary purpose of it. Um, primary purpose of marriage is uh, to honor the Lord and reflect the gospel. Uh, you know, every Christian marriage is is a living illustration of our gospel union with Christ Jesus, and so we have a responsibility to to maintain that illustration in a way that is faithful and honoring to the truth of the gospel. It's not whether or not I'm pleased, it's whether or not the Lord is pleased. And of course, as my heart is submitted to the Lord, I'll be pleased when the Lord is pleased. It's not a begrudging thing, but but that mindset is is a worldly mindset that says that this is about me. That That's what someone would use to justify an unbiblical divorce, to just say, well, this isn't fulfilling me the way marriage is supposed to. It's not giving me what I want. And so they'll walk away from it. And that's a worldly view of marriage. I think also um, the world prioritizes almost everything besides family life. You know, if a, if a Christian couple decides that they're going to sacrifice certain things of the world so that they can invest in their kids or make career choices that will earn them less money but give them more opportunities to serve the church or or even going to have moms stay at home to be with the kids. From a worldly perspective, that's crazy because your career defines who you are. Right. You know, the first question somebody asks is, well, what do you do for a living? You know, that that's what defines who you are. Whereas making an investment in your marriage and in your children, what better thing could you invest in from an eternal perspective, right? So the worldly priorities often seep into marriage and family life in a very detrimental way. Then, of course, I think the world would have the church to get rid of biblical teaching on how the church, the family is supposed to be ordered. I think there is an orderliness to the family that God has designed. You see it in Ephesians 5 and 6. Husbands are the head of the home. Wives submit to the husbands. Children obey your parents. Those are the basic responsibilities of each member of the family and what God has designed for them to do. And what you see from a world's perspective is just a total distortion of that. You see a culture full of men who who gladly abdicate their leadership role because sacrificial Christ-like leadership is a lot of work, and they don't want to do that work. So, so you get a lot of homes where moms are actually doing more work than dads because dads are happy to just say, well, I don't want to be the head. That's too much work. You got a lot of homes where, where moms want that control. They, they don't want to submit. And 
boy, you talk about submission today, and that that is anathema. You know, that is that is just scorned by the world. And then, of course, the idea of teaching children to submit, teaching children the the blessedness of obedience from a young age, that is, that is not the world's view on children and parenting, uh, especially in our day and age. Now, now you get these ideas where you've got to let a child explore who they are and 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 choose their own paths and things like that which just leads to a discontented, miserable child anyway, and a miserable mom and dad, by the way. Yeah, you know, three-year-olds are really good at making decisions. You know that, right? Right, Thinking exactly. through things and dealing with it, you know, conflict. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, one of the biggest distortions that you could have is a selfish view of marriage and family. Another big distortion is distorting the biblical order of family and then I would just add one more distortion that that you got to watch out for is is the idea that being plugged into the church isn't important for your family life. Being plugged into the church is is a key means of grace to experiencing joy and peace in your family life. In fact, I would say that the the three biggest dangers to the Christian family that our listeners might experience would be uh, when you have somebody in the family who's who's not walking with Christ and not actively submitting to Christ. If you have mom or dad who aren't growing in the Lord, boy, that's going to be a drag on family life. If you have a family that's not ordered according to biblical order, dad leading, uh, wife submitting, children obeying, if that's out of whack in your family life, that's going to be a source of uh, lack of peace, of disunity in the home. And then a family that's not plugged into church life and not benefiting from the means of grace with God's people that's going to have a negative impact on family life over the long haul as well. Yeah, I guess we should have prefaced that, right? If you're not a believer, none of these things are going to be helpful. These are just principles from Scripture, but we're we're anticipating that the Holy Spirit's working in you to produce the obedience to these things. It definitely helps uh, <laughs> in the Christian home to have everybody be a Christian, yeah, you know? for sure. I remember my grandfather saying, and I don't, like I said, I don't know whether he was saying his wife was a trial or not, but, you know, my poor grandmother. But he said the purpose of our marriage wasn't necessarily for our pleasure, like you said, but more for our sanctification. You know, and as you're, you know, as you see things in That's your That's true for my wife, for sure. <laughs> She's kind of... Agreed, agreed. But do you think that some of these purposes that, you know, God has put out uh, for us to, to to enjoy marriage and as believers to grow in our love for Him as we seek to uh, serve our families, that almost as believers, we're almost ashamed to share these with the world. Like the fact that, you know, a, a wife would submit to her husband, that that's something to be ashamed of. Um, the fact that, you know, uh, a husband leads and makes decisions in the home, that a woman doesn't have those kinds of input the same way that that's something to be ashamed of. I mean, how would you speak to that when, when somebody is, is maybe shying away from the biblical commands that the Lord's given when, when they want to follow them and they're obedient to them, but they're afraid to share that with the world? Yeah, I think two things. One, you don't shy away from biblical convictions. Uh, biblical convictions are, are just another way of saying loyalty to Christ. When I'm convinced of what the scriptures say and I live my life according to it, that's just me being loyal to Christ. So I have to be loyal to Christ, not the world. At the same time, I don't have to convince the world around me that God's way of doing family is the best way to do it. In fact, I know I'm not going to. I need to try to convince them of the gospel so they can be saved and forgiven of their sins and then come to believe these things. I'm not going to convince the world 
that Ephesians 5 and 6 and what it says the family life is going to be helpful to them. I just need to make sure my family is ordered correctly so they can see the gospel shining through us, and I need to make sure that I'm declaring the gospel to them so they can hear that message and be saved. Uh, but yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to shy away from it, but I also don't expect the world to understand it. Right. And recognizing the climate, it's, it's difficult. I mean, it's difficult for us to be able to share those convictions apart from you getting to the gospel, like you're saying. Yeah. And we've, you know, our family's had a number of awkward conversations with people just, Hey, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. Okay. That's awkward enough. That's the ultimate icebreaker. That, that, that leads to some very interesting conversations. (laughs) Uh, but then, okay, you know, look to my wife. Well, what do you do? Because obviously this guy can't be supporting your family just as a pastor. I don't even know what that is. So you must have a good job. What do you do? And, you know, my wife will say, well, uh, I'm able to, to stay home and manage at home and, and, and be home with the kids. And so so we leave a lot of conversations with people just kind of scratching their head about how, how weird and backwards we are. But I'm not going to be able to convince the world that that God's truth is compelling until they have the spirit uh, in their life. And and so I'm not going to back down from those things, uh, but I also don't expect for the world to understand those things. And, and you know what? I don't need people around me, especially the world around me, to confirm God's truth. God's convert, confirmed it himself in the scripture. It's true or it's not true. And if I'm living according to what I believe is true, then it then it, then it doesn't matter what the world thinks of how weird I am. Right. And it also could be a heart check for us to say, hey, what is it that I'm prioritizing if I'm ashamed of what the Lord has commissioned us to do? Right. right. I'm ashamed of what his word says. Uh, I'm afraid to to share the gospel because ultimately, you know, maybe the Lord's bringing that conversation up so that you might share the gospel. Yep. Yep. So what are some things, uh, we'll transition a little bit to our kids. What, are you, what do you think some of the dangers are for our children? Yeah, I think Christian parents need to be especially vigilant, always have, but especially now because there's so many different avenues by which the world can reach your children. And so if you're not proactively instilling in them biblical patterns of thinking and a biblical worldview, then you can just take it to the bank that they're getting an unbelieving worldview by default. If you're not actively, if you're not actively pressing in on these issues, like I said about conversations in marriage life, they, they need to be uh, they need to be more than just superficial conversations that you're having with your kids. You need to be evaluating these things and don't let your own slackness or love for the things of this world lead you to excuse things that deep down you know would be unhelpful for your children. And along the way, don't let them be the arbiters of that. Your kids don't get to decide what is helpful for them because they're not in a position to understand these matters. You have to have biblical principles, biblical convictions that you are using to lead you in the kind of decisions that you make as a parent. Uh, That's how you protect your kids. You can't save your kids, but you can protect your kids from a lot of heartache, and you can protect their conscience. That's my goal. I can't I can't save my kid. Uh, Spirit's got to work in my kid's life so that they can see Christ and believe they have to be regenerated. They have to be born again. I can't do that, but I can do two things. I can constantly share the truth with them because I know that the Spirit uses the truth to, to regenerate uh, people. So I can constantly be sharing the truth with them. And then the second thing I can do is I can't save them, but I can help protect their conscience. 
so so that their if the Lord would see fit to save them, at least their conscience wouldn't be seared and so defiled that they would have all of these problems as a new believer. Uh, and even by the way, if the Lord doesn't choose to save uh, your child, if you can help protect their conscience, they could at least even be saved some uh, earthly turmoil and trouble, even if even if their soul's not saved. So, so I can protect their conscience from from some of the influence of Satan in the world. And I think to to that point, our kids aren't as insulated as maybe they could have been in years past. Just because of, like you're saying, everything that's accessible to them. Uh, that being said, some parents, I think believing parents, you tend to go one of either way. We either insulate, wrap our kids in a bubble, keep them from everything possible. Right. Or we just have the view, well, we'll expose them to all this, th- all these things, and then we'll try to biblically inform them. And maybe you have a third there, but how would you... How would you try to balance that? My prayer constantly for my kids is, Lord, challenge their faith, protect their conscience. So those things that are going to put them in situations where they have to actively trust the Lord on their own without my help, uh, that, that those are situations I want my kids to have to be in. Situations where my kids' conscience could be dulled or silenced through a constant exposure to sinful activity uh, or sinful entertainment, I want to protect them from that. Um, So just for example, there are certain situations in um, sports where I'm not going to get involved and and my kids need to deal with that issue or deal with these things. And I'm not afraid for them to be exposed to that. And if, if they've got a coach that is treating them a way that they feel is unfair they know that I'm not going to go and try to be their advocate because they need to learn to deal with that, trust the Lord through that. What biblical principles are there for dealing with someone who has authority over you and is using it in a way that's not always helpful? I want them to learn those things. But if they're being exposed to something that would be dangerous to them or dangerous to their conscience, well, that's when I'm going to step in and shield them from that. I'm not going to send them to some kind of worldly entertainment, which gratuitously glorifies some kind of sinful behavior, and then just say, okay, well, I know you enjoyed that, but let me tell you why you shouldn't have enjoyed that. You know, that's something I want to shield their conscience from, uh, rather than just throw them in there and try to help them process it afterwards. Yeah, so there's even a time release in how you are approaching that circumstance, too. Like you said, with the coach, you're not going to be able to bail them out when they're 30. Right. And their boss is coming down on them. Right. Right. So they need to be able to think through those. But you're also not going to put them in a situation where, man, there's just awful oversaturation sin where really no believer should be in. Why would I want to put my kids in it? And you want your kids to be able to grow in that. Yeah. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to put them in difficult situations but not put them in situations that are exposing them to, to or glorifying sin in their presence. And that, I think that's a big difference is that, you know, they might be around sinful uh, circumstances. They might have, uh, you know, sinful teammates or something like that. Uh, but, but they're able to see that in the context of, you know, that's not helpful. That's, that's, that's a challenge to me. Whereas I don't want to put them in a situation 
and expose them to things that are misrepresenting sin as glorified and helpful or um, alluring, you know, and, and lying to them in that way. I mean, because they're already going to be, they're going to be geared towards those. You're going to have to shepherd some of that stuff out anyway. You don't want to just overexpose and, and not be helpful. Right. And I can't protect them from the presence of sin in this world, and I certainly can't protect them from the presence of sin in their own heart. So they've got to be in situations where they know how to deal with these things, but I can help them to deal with it by not putting them in situations where sin is presented in such a way that's not, that's not factual, that's not true, that's glorifying it, that's making it seem appealing, that's making it seem like something that they should pursue. Those are the kind of things that I want to protect from my children. Well, those, those are helpful thoughts. Uh, I'm grateful for this conversation. I'm looking forward to our time together. Uh, we'll go through uh, the marriage, what that should look like, uh, go through our family and our kids and how we're shepherding them and look forward to these conversations upcoming. So thanks, brother. Thanks, Jared.